it's 3.30, that can only mean one thing. But before we get to your Hey Joe questions, you know that Joe Ovius is the Christmas person around here. However, it is time to get into the holiday spirit. WRL Knights of Lights is back for a third year this season. Tickets are on sale now. New this year, we have an improved and redesigned light route, in-person activities like the Holiday Outpost or Igloo Experiences, and of course, a good dose of holiday cheer. Visit WRLNightsOfLights.com to learn more. All right, Cox, you got questions for me. I've got answers. Joe cracked the door. All right, first one comes from Nunzio from Caddyshack. Hey, Joe, did you lose the boosted Justin Herbert bet last night? All right, so if you're not familiar with what a boosted bet is, DraftKings last night had offered basically what amounted to what you would consider to be free money. All right? Justin Herbert is the quarterback of the Chargers. And in 26 straight regular season games in the NFL – Justin Herbert has thrown at least one touchdown pass. So DraftKings last night, trying to be nice and trying to garner some action, offered Justin Herbert to throw one touchdown pass at plus 100 or even money. Normally in a normal game, Justin Herbert to throw a touchdown pass is minus 800. If you don't follow gambling or understand gambling, that means you have to bet $800 to make $100. DraftKings said last night, cool, we'll make it one-to-one. We'll make it even money. Justin Herbert last night became the second quarterback since 1950. Let me repeat, the second quarterback since 1950 with 55 or more pass attempts and zero touchdowns in a win. Pretty impressive. First time in 27 games, he doesn't throw a touchdown pass. Not only that, the second quarterback since 1950 in 72 years. How? And on the same day mm-hmm. as the boost? How? Now, here's the thing that actually I'm most dumbfounded by this whole thing is that somebody threw 55 passes in 1950. Fair. That is fair. Like, let's be real. Like, wait, that. let's not was, bury the lead here. It was here. probably the Chargers if we know anything. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, you're sitting here and you're going, you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to get, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on DraftKings, FanDuel. Ah, I, I don't want to bet on the game, but I'll bet on a prop. I'll take a prop. Here they go. They go, hey, minus 800 down to even money. And you're thinking, okay, well, I'll win that. Then what will I do with that? It's guaranteed. I mean, I can cash it at halftime. No. No, you can't. So uh, the the my answer to did I is no, because DraftKings is not legal here in the state of North Carolina. Would I have? Yeah, absolutely. If, yeah, I think everyone would. If they push one to eight to one to one, you have to take it. Like, I don't even. I don't even care if it's how many times will I say Nunzio in the next five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, if if the book moves something from one to eight to one to one, take it. That would be my advice in in general. And then you can always point back to this lightning in a bottle moment and go, "Well, see, it always doesn't happen." Next. 
Say it ain't so, Joe. Say it ain't so. All right, this one comes from Luke. Hey, Joe, should UNC promote Drake May for the Heisman Trophy? I think they should. Yeah. I mean, you look at what their redshirt freshman quarterback is doing, and you compare it to, say, C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. You compare it to, say, Bryce Young, who won the award last year. I know that he is uh, injured this year. Maybe even Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, potentially. But what Drake May has been able to do, he leads the country in touchdown passes, number one. Mm -hmm. He's got 24. Well, it's tied with Stroud. Also has 24. Three interceptions. 24 to 3. Pretty good ratio. He's completing 70% of his passes. Also pretty good. So Drake May right now, sixth in the country, 22-83 in passing yards. He's had the runs. He's had some highlights. The only thing he hasn't had, of course, is the, is the Heisman moment. And the, the as a Heisman voter, I will tell you, when you can't follow all of these players, yes, you pay attention to statistics, but you also pay attention to the big games. Carolina now being in the top 25, that's good. Yeah. So you need some of those spotlight games. Will he get another one of those if they play Clemson in the ACC championship yeah. game? But even by that point, a lot of people, oh, I, I will admit to you, I voted in years past before the conference championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, I have learned not to, but I, there are there's so many Heisman voters out there. Let's. Yeah. I'm not flexing here. I'm just I'm just telling you as a matter of fact that I am a Heisman voter and have been for the past few years. And that I have voted before the conference championship game. So that would be my primary concern. Yes, absolutely, Carolina should promote Drake Bay for the Heisman Trophy. That's number one. But my concern for him would be, where does he get a Heisman moment? Because you can put up big numbers, but you have to capture everyone else's attention. You look down on Carolina's schedule. While we're interested in, in the weight game, while we're interested in the state game, uh, that's not going to have much of a national following. Next one, Cox. Yeah! All right, this one comes from a silver. Hey, Joe, which NBA tickets did you buy? NBA title tickets did yeah. you buy? I, I like to, at the beginning of each season, to pick a, a, a title ticket to buy. Okay. Uh, the bill, I took the Bills this year kind of reluctantly. I don't li- Not because I don't think the Bills are going to win. I didn't like the 6-1 to one number. And if you look at the NBA uh, leaders this year, you have the Celtics, no coach, 6-1. to one. I thought maybe there would be some value there. There's not. Warriors, the champions from last year, six to one. The Clippers, who added John Wall and also get Kawhi Leonard back, they're six and a half to one. You know, the real value is probably if you are a Luka fan and the Mavericks and you believe Luka can get some help, he's 20 to one. The Lakers, you know, that it's an inflated number because of LeBron, but still 17 to one. I, I, you know, that's a, that's a nice payout. You put a hundred bucks down at the beginning of the year, you cash a ticket for 1700. You're liking what you have by the end of the year. I mean, teams that would definitely avoid the Nets. It's not coming home for the Nets. They're seven to one. The Bucks are six again. All of the favorites are at six to one. I would I would actually go Lakers at seventeen to one, and I would go Mavs at twenty to one. I actually do think this is a year to invest out west because you have the Suns are a little bit of disarray. Who were the best team out there last year? And then I think the East is a little bit more loaded than it has been in recent years. So I like both of those. I like the Lakers 17-1, and I like the Mavs at 20-1. We got any more? That's it. All right. When we come back, we'll check in with... 
Oh, actually, I do have one more. One I'm more? sorry, I okay. missed one. I have my apologies on that. All right. Real fast Whoa. one here. Whoa. This one comes from Eric. Hey, Joe, is the SEC playoff apocalypse happening? I, I My initial inclination is to say yes, because the way that the system gets broken each time is by the SEC. When LSU and Alabama showed up in the BCS championship game, that's what spurred the change in the format for college football's postseason. If three SEC teams show up in the top four of the college football playoff, mm-hmm. you best believe the format will be changed post-haste. Do I think it will happen? Here's the path, obviously. Alabama wins out, wins the SEC championship game. They're 12-1. and one. Georgia beats Tennessee, runs the table, loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game. They're in. Mm-hmm. Alabama's in. Tennessee loses to Georgia, but wins the rest of their games. They're eleven and one with the win over Alabama. Yep. So Especially you, if Tennessee Georgia is a close game. So you could have Alabama twelve and one, Alabama SEC champ, Georgia twelve and one, with the win over Tennessee, but the loss. To, you would have the three of them with equal one and one against each other in yep. a round robin. Is what it would come to. Do I think? They would put unbeaten Clemson in over one of the one-loss SEC teams. I do not. I, do, I don't believe that for a second. And I, and I know the makeup of the committee this year, and it's head by Boo Corrigan, NC State's athletic director. But I will tell you, I do not think they would put an unbeaten Clemson team with, with Clemson's schedule and Notre Dame being their big game out of the league this year and Notre Dame not, not being what they should be. I will tell you, I think this is closer to happening if the sequence goes this way where they would end up one and one against each other. The Carolina Panthers are not as fortunate as the Carolina Hurricanes. They fired Matt Rule last week. That didn't make a change in the result. The offense looked even more inept with P.J. Walker, who was once dubbed as the XFL Mahomes. Panthers lose 24-10 at the Rams, the struggling Rams. They're now 1-5 on the season, nobody really knows what they've got um, at quarterback, given some of the injuries to Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Nobody really knows if they're even going to try over these 11, last 11 games. At 1-5, and five, it might be in their best interest to tank for Stroud, or uh, I don't even know what rhyme we could come up with there for C.J. Stroud, though. I do think... I don't think that the Panthers are that far off that a new coach and a new quarterback can't fix. Let us check with Julian Council to see what he thinks of this premise. Julian's from the Locked On Panthers podcast. Julian joins us now on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. All right, Julian, you're in charge of the Panthers. Who's staying? Who's going? Who, who are you trading first now that uh, Robbie Anderson's gone? I don't really want to trade anyone. No honestly, one. Joe. Okay. If I'm uh, the Panthers, I think Christian McCaffrey would make the most sense, really based off of the position that he plays. Running back is a position where you can easily find someone in the middle part of the draft, and they could be a good enough player for you. You saw back in 2020 when Mike Davis played. He had over 1,000 yards in scrimmage. Was he at Christian McCaffrey's level? No. But you can get production out of the running back position without having to use a high draft pick like they use Christian McCaffrey or having to pay – what they pay for Christian, the four-year, $60 million contract. So just based off of the position, McCaffrey would be the first one to go, and it's someone that you could possibly get a first-round pick for. And the Panthers 
could use that because it's not just they need a quarterback. They could use another edge rusher as they have not been great getting after the passer outside of Brian Burns this season, even maybe another linebacker use that as a way to get even more draft picks as they only currently have their first, second, fourth, and fifth in a 2023 draft. Brian Burns, you don't let go of a pass rusher like that. DJ Moore, I don't see how that helps him at all as far as wide receiver position, a guy you just paid by trading him. And then Derek Brown's finally coming to his own as a defensive tackle this year. So if I look at the players that possibly could be available or people are going to be inquiring about, Chris McCaffrey's the one that I would let go, but he's also not someone I'm willing to let go at this point in time unless it's for the right price. Julian Council, Locked on the Panthers podcast, joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Joe Obvious is, out. Joe Obvious is out today. I am Joe Giglio. All right, Julian, I, I agree with you on trading McCaffrey. I, I just think if you if you could get someone to take his salary, that's going to free up that slot for you in, in your your quick rebuild here. But am I am I way off base? And I'm with you. I want to keep most of those players, particularly on defense. Am I way off here in watching the Giants this weekend and thinking, guys, the, the Panthers aren't that far away? Like, in terms of if you get the right coach in there, and obviously you fix the quarterback situation, I get it easier said than done. Like, this is the NFL. This isn't like college football where you need like 14 years to rebuild Nebraska or Tennessee. Am, am I crazy? or? I don't think you're crazy, okay. honestly, Joe. Um, the thing about it, though, is I mean, they're 1-5, in five, as we know. They're the worst team in the league, as we know. The worst offense and their third-down offense might end up being the worst in NFL history at the rate that they're at currently. I just look at it, okay, so, yeah, the coach wasn't great. The quarterback play has also been terrible, and that has pretty much tanked you this season. But it hasn't been great the last few years either, and the offensive line was also awful, and the Panthers weren't completely inept like they are currently this season. I get that the quarterback play has gotten progressively worse since going from Bridgewater to Darnold to now Baker Mayfield and whatever the hell that was on Sunday with P.J. Walker's let's only throw it uh, behind the line of scrimmage uh, game plan as far as the passing game goes. But if you become the worst team in the league, it can't just be the quarterback position that's held you back. If the Panthers go 3-14, and 14, it can't just be quarterback. There has to be other facets of that roster that need a serious overhaul and looking at if you're going to turn things around. Like with the pass rush, it's pretty non-existent this year. Losing Hassan Reddick, who's been awesome for now the 6-0 Eagles, that has hurt this team in being able to get after the quarterback and be as good as they wanted to be. Like They've been better in the red zone. They've gotten more takeaways bang up in the secondary right now and that could be a factor if those guys can't get back healthy and the Panthers continue to struggle defensively especially in the second half when they're on the field as much as they've been I think they're closer than obviously they appear to be but if they're the worst team in the league then I don't know if it's uh, really that feasible to say they were that close Julian Council joining us here on the OG check them out on the Locked on Panthers podcast all right before we get to some who you might think could be viable candidates for the Panthers. Let us put a bow on the Matt Rule era, if you will. Um, sure. Our friend Jonathan Jones's report on CBS this week about the the way of the Panther came to an absolute <laughs> surprise of not a single person of how corny cross country high school coachy that Matt Rule is. But what was your favorite part of the way of the Panther presentation? <laughs> the uh, was it the OOUs, the uh, one of us. That is very similar to um, our kind of guys. The OK, oh, it was the OKGs. Um, what uh, Sean was it? Sean Clark up at App State does okay. as far as recruiting. Like that's his recruiting philosophy. We got to find our kind of guys. And Matt rules. We got to find one. Like they're one of us. So it's basically the same kind of foundational aspect of trying to do recruitment as far as free and seeing the draft. 
at that level that you would do in college. And as we've seen, it didn't really work out. So I just thought it was funny that he has basically the same philosophy as App State's current football coach. Matt Rule meant well. I'm sure the guys actually did like Matt, but clearly the whole uh, way of the Panther did not work out. And the Panthers already have a distinct brand. It's keep pounding. Yes. You didn't need to come up with your own the brand and the process and all that and being the most physical, toughest football team in the league. Everyone in the NFL wants to be that. You don't need to write that down. Okay? So it's just funny to me. It's like, hey, on and off the field, this is what we need to be. Well, it's not like college where these are still young men. Like, these are adults who have wives and kids, and they don't have time to be the way of the Panther on and off the field 24-7, 365. And that can't really be a reasonable expectation. So, yeah, certainly that whole philosophy, that's basically the same one that Sean Clark has at App State of and Boone was probably my favorite part of uh, Matt Rule's old way of the Panther. Yeah, the hardest working part was the one that got me, in, it, because I've covered a lot of bad NC State teams and people, fans would be like, you know, you really should take it easy on the players. They work hard. And I thought to myself, you realize everyone works hard, right? right. Like, that's not going to be the difference between being between winning and losing is not the work you put in. It's the attention to the detail that ultimately is going to get you there. And it, obviously the, the two minute offense, the end of game management, the end of half management that we saw from Matt rule was just coaching malpractice at, at its, at its finest, if you will. So I'll give them that. Um, and this is a copycat league, Julian council joining us locked on Panthers podcast, Julian, it's a copycat league, and I get it, and I'm going to be a prisoner of the moment here for a second, but I'm looking at Mike McDaniel in Miami, and I'm going, okay, he's not going to wow anybody. I'm guessing there's no Pepsi brand nonsense from him. It's just, hey, man, I'm going to scheme up some good plays, and I'm going to put my best players in the best position to make plays and beat you. I mean, can it be that simple? Is there another Mike McDaniel running around out there that that could save the Panthers? I mean, it's possible. And that, the unfortunate thing when you're looking at coaching candidates, and it's, it's kind of early for me, but I'm looking at the Rams, and we saw firsthand on Sunday that that offense is not nearly where it needs to be. Right. Now, of course, when they, they get healthier, especially on the offensive line, I expect that they're going to play a lot better than that they played through the first six weeks of the season where they still sit at 3-3. Three and three. But right now their OC is a guy named Liam Cohn. And Liam Cohn last year was the OC for the University of Kentucky. And who plays quarterback at the University of Kentucky? Will Levis, and I think at some point in time, all these NFL draft Knicks and scouts are going to talk themselves to him being better than Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, which I think is ridiculous, but possibly he could grow to be a better player than them in the NFL. But more importantly, Levis has played in the system that's become popular with the Sean McVay system, the Kyle Shanahan system, now, yeah. as we see, yeah, the play action, the wide zone scheme as far as running the football. Now we see now with Mike McDaniels down in Miami that we see – of course, up in Cincinnati with the Bengals. So maybe that could be a situation down the road where you get a Liam Cohen kind of guy if the Rams can turn things around or if David Tepper's is like, hey, you have worked with Sean McVay, you're an OC, and maybe you have a relationship relation with this quarterback that we might like. That could be something that works out down the road. Now, will it actually work? I don't know. But I could see David Tepper and the Panthers brass talking themselves into that being a nice marriage if they are in a situation to get both or at least one. Julian Council, the Locked On Panthers is the name of the podcast. Check it out wherever you get your podcast. Before I let you go here, Julian, Panthers yeah. have 11 games left. I'm going to set their win total at two and a half. You going over or under? Surely, surely they can win three games, Joe. <laughs> 
Surely uh, I'm looking now, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am looking now. <laughs> There's a Denver home game in there. So if they can score oh. 12 points, they can get the uh, the Matt Rule magic number 17 in. But yeesh. Oh, they, get Pits- they, yeah, get, I- they get the carcass of Matt Canada and Pittsburgh into Charlotte, too. So maybe, maybe those, are, those are two NC State-related wins for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. And the Falcons aren't nearly as bad as we thought Spunky. they would be. And Spunky. And Seattle – Seattle actually looks better yeah. without Russell Wilson. Who would have thought that would be the case? I have to imagine that at some point in time, they're going to bring Sam Darnold in to be the starting quarterback. And I'm not going to sit here and act like Sam Darnold's like some sort of savior sure. who's going to be able to get the Panthers to like six or seven wins this year. Like that's just not going to happen. That's gone out the window at this point in time, especially the amount of home games they've already played. And it's not like they're any better on the road anyways. I think they can probably still get to maybe like four wins, and that's you know being the most optimistic I can possibly be. The defense, whenever they get J.C. Horn back and Jeremy Chen, and then um, C.J. Henderson when he's back healthy as well, Dante Jackson, I think they'll be just fine. They haven't had Frankie Lou for the last two games. He's been the secret weapon, their best defensive, yeah, the best offensive their, player. Their best, yeah, he's been their best defensive player so far this and offense. Yeah. I mean, he's caused the fumble. He's returned to pick six. He should have already had two this season. I got to imagine it when the the secondary, they'll be better that side of the ball. And then if Darnold can come in and just, I don't know, give you something, be maybe he's a better fit for yeah. this scheme that Ben McAdoo wants to run, they can win probably three or four more games this year. So I'll go over the two-win total. God, I, I know you. if you think they're close, I can't imagine they're going to be a two-and-15 football team this season. I think they're close when they get the new breath of fresh air in there and the new ideas in there. So we'll we'll yeah, definitely that, see how that goes. And upon the owner making the right decision, which uh, no one should trust. <laughs> no one has confidence in at this point. I have confidence in Julian Council, though, and his coverage of the Panthers. Check it out on the Locked on Panthers podcast. Julian, appreciate you taking some time this afternoon and enjoy the rest of the season. Of course I'll try. Talk to you soon. <laughs>